FBI! If the bus blows up, he wins. Hello and welcome to the Arnithology Presents Keanu Copia, where we are working through the career of Keanu Reeves. My name is Ben Hyten. I'm Alex. We are up to 1996 and the film Chain Reaction. Now, this might not be significant to you, Alex. Yep. But 96 is a significant year for me because in the January of 1996 is when I started buying Empire Magazine. And my knowledge of film skyrocketed. I could not get enough. And this is before, you know, probably IMDb existed, but before I had access to it. So in January of 1996, two five-star Empire Review films come out. Yeah. One of them is Seven, starring Morgan Freeman. Yeah. The other is Heat, starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. And when I went to see it for my 15th birthday, I declared that is the best film I have ever seen in my life. Heat. Yeah. Yeah. At that point. I felt the same, yeah. And before the film Heat, there was a trailer for a Keanu Reeves film called Chain Reaction, starring... looked awesome. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it did look pretty good. So I saw this some... I think I probably saw it on video probably the following year. I don't think I saw it in the cinema. You'd seen this before as well, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. I saw it in the cinema when right, it came okay. out. Okay. Yeah, because it was that year was like... I was, I was 16. I could go see 15 films easily, no problem. Actually went to see seven, you know, yep. which is an 18, but yep. still managed to see seven that year. And... It's 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 around the time I think most people in their lives when they're that age, like they might have seen some older adult films when they were younger, but this is the age when it's like you can appreciate them, you can see them, you don't have to hide the fact that you're seeing them really. Yeah. Yeah, and and I don't know if I could say what my appetite was for films, but I knew I wanted to see a lot more heat. I knew yeah. I knew I wanted to see a lot more seven. I knew I wanted to see a lot more Fight Club and Usual Suspects and I wanted to see these movies. Yeah. Well and Two films that came out in the summer of 96 that we've briefly talked about in the past. The Rock, starring Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And, and one of your favourites that probably made the summer of 96 for you, Mission Impossible. Oh my God, yeah. Yes. I, I you know, I think there are some films that are creeping into the Arnithology that we're going to have to do some bonus episodes on because we mentioned them so many times. Well, at least you and I mentioned them so many times, maybe not on the podcast, but The Rock, for sure. The Postman, man. Oh man! Let's give the view. Let's give the listeners an update on what's happened with the okay. postman. So when we were talking about Little Buddha a few weeks yeah. ago, uh, Alex revealed that he'd seen this film multiple times, even though he didn't particularly like it. And I said to him, "Is this your the postman?" Then, and so the story came out about how I went to see it's the postman. Inside, inside joke. Yeah, yeah. I think we have talked about it on the on the cast before, um, but I went to see the postman in the cinema. Uh, on a date, no less, uh, and she hated it. <laughs> I kind of liked it. It's the worst date movie. Uh, it was three hours of Kevin Costner delivering you thought, mail. You thought Kevin Costner's gonna gonna make this date go well? That's what you thought. O- over the well, not really. It was just like, well, I want to see it, so fuck you. I know uh, your logic. How old are you? I was sixteen. Definitely, I know your logic. You think girls like <laughs> girls like receiving like letters, cards, like Valentine's Day and shit. 
So for birthdays and Christmas. So you thought if I take see a movie called The Postman, like that's definitely going to work. You must have thought that. I, I honestly, my thought process was she wanted to go to the cinema and I said, that's good because there's a film I want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's more like you, actually. That, that sounds more like you. Um, yeah. So it didn't work out between us. But I had a new love in my life and that was the bizarre Kevin Costner film, The Postman, which is set in the futuristic 2013 after society has crumbled. 2013, really? Yeah. After, after the Mayan apocalypse. In which is so stupid because I was. So yeah. basically, what's happened is over the years, normally when I'm a bit hungover or a little bit tender or whatever, the postman has arrived into my life. And I, I've <laughs> grown, I've really grown a fondness for this film. So after we talked about it on Little Buddha, I watched it again this week. And honestly, it's it's one of those films that is simultaneously one star and five stars. I absolutely love this wow. film, dude. We're, okay, the only way I have to watch it because I haven't seen it since since I, since it came out. Yeah. Basically, it came out on DVD, and that's when I watched it. My dad bought it on DVD, thinking, "Oh, that might be good." That's what my dad does. And he, he was right. Buys stuff. He was right. It, he was it really might so be right. good. We both watched it. We kept. I remember watching it with him, and we just kept looking at each other like. But dude, this? I watched it this week, and I still think yeah. that might be good. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, I think it's got to this point now where it's gonna—it's a bonus episode. That's fine. Okay? I'm happy I'm, to do I'm, that because it's the only way I'm going to watch it again. It'll motivate me. I want to watch it again, but it's one of those things that I'm just going to keep putting off unless we have to do a recording. So, well, I'm this. It's an, this it's official. This is a shout out specifically to Richard Mall because I know that he watches all of the films that we talk about before he yeah. listens to our episodes. Richard, treat yourself. Go and buy yourself a copy of The Postman. And if you yeah. absolutely hate it, I promise you can invoice me. I will refund you yeah. the money. Okay, okay, fine. that's fair. That's a deal. That goes that's for Richard Mall yeah. only. The rest of you, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Ben gets a million pounds worth of invoices from yeah. people who bought the postman. Well, I'm bankrupt. Uh, my my copy costs fifty quid. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Costner's loving it while I have to yeah. move into a yeah yeah doghouse. Um, do you think that Kevin Costner's career is sufficiently low? That we could we could invite him to like speak about his experiences on the post. Not anymore. No, he's had something of a a Costner essence. Do you think we could we could Costner essence? Yeah, that's good. That's a great one. A Kevin essence. Kevin essence. Yeah. Um, let's reach out to somebody from the postman the same way we did for like permanent record. Will Patton. I'd love to get Will Patton. Oh, genuinely, he absolutely kills in the film. He is so good. Yeah, yeah he, he does, actually. I've seen him in lots of things. Yeah, he's an excellent actor. He, he really is. He really is. He's the photocopy salesman, isn't he? Photocopier repairman. That's, That's right. Job. Yeah, yeah, before the war. Yeah, before good the war. memory. I didn't even yeah. remember that. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. General Bethlehem. Anyway, all of this to say, hello. We are talking about chain reaction today. Uh, <laughs> chain reaction. From a time, and we're doing a postman postman bonus episode. At some point, we shall. Um, now, I'm going to use one of my staples straight away, Alex, because right. I think a better name for this film is Luscious Hair and Lucius Fox. <laughs> uh, I guess this is the this is a, a Lucius Fox um, prequel movie. Yeah, you could argue. Yeah, I'll, I'll warn you now. And I apologise to everyone in the world other than you for this, Alex. Yeah. I'm going hard with the Keanuverse in this episode. I'm so glad I've got Keanuverse theories yeah. coming out up the wazoo. Out my wazoo? Out your wazoo. Good. Up the wazoo. Out my wazoo. They're, 
they're just coming it's, out. It's up the wazoo and out the wazza. Yeah, that's, that's right. how it works. That's what's happening with the Keanu verse. So apologies, everyone. They're happening. There is a line directly speaks to some kind of weird Keanu views theory that it does not belong in the movie. There's a line in the movie that has no bearing on any plot point, any storyline. There's any a few character. lines like that. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, there are a few lines like that. So, are we going to just say how we feel about it at the beginning, or are we just going to no, no, no? Let's 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 do let's bring some structure to this episode. So, chain chain, <laughs> chain reaction is about a group of scientists that include Keanu Reeves and an incredibly young Rachel Vice. Looks like she just yeah. got off the school bus. Rachel yeah. Vice, yeah. A, a woman who has aged incredibly well. Let's not forget. So it's not surprising that she looks incredibly young. She does, and we get repeat casting of like Keanu and Rachel Weiss in Constantine, right? Well, this is part of the Keanu verse, yes, that's going to yeah. happen. So they are scientists working on a clean energy program, and in a prologue, we get that the point of this clean energy program is that they have devised a cool fusion project which uh, extracts hydrogen from water. Uh, makes it incredibly clean, incredibly efficient energy to the extent that one glass of water could power a city the size of Chicago for a week. Huge claims. Big problem, though. It's not stable. It's not stable for more than 4.6 milliseconds. So what they've essentially created is a huge cold fusion reactor that could explode. Now, Keanu Reeves, because he's a genius, brings in... He's an accidental genius. Brings in the concept of sonoluminescence, the combination of sound to generate light, uh, to generate energy as part of this project. And holy shit, he stabilized it. Sound was the key. But these scientists are so well-intentioned that they release all of their science and all of their secrets onto the internet to Russia and China and all the superpowers around the world to make this fair. And obviously, money government and other private interests get involved blow up the lab and now keanu reeves is on the run because he's being framed for this explosion huge explosion yeah just outside of i guess what was supposed to be chicago uh the rest of it's a chase movie simple as that there's foreshadowing with the explosion so that if there wasn't the explosion at the beginning we wouldn't necessarily realize how dangerous this is this project is they're not very heavy-handed on like the importance of power, of like why people are fighting so much over this. You know, people are murdered. There's yeah. like espionage shit going well, one, on. There's all sorts. In, in in that prologue, one of like the chief scientist yeah. who's murdered Barclay, uh, yeah. one of his primary goals is to end war, end war that's fighting yeah, he over says resources. It in the lecture at the beginning, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Morgan Freeman takes a, an opposite approach of like, no, this will start wars because it will be people fighting over the technology, fighting for the ownership, and that he does. He says that later to the FBI, doesn't yeah. he? When yeah. yeah, so Morgan Freeman plays in probably the most interesting part in this film. Certainly has uh, he has an arc, and in, in many respects, I feel like it should have been more history than it was Keanu's. Yeah, Keanu, <laughs> Keanu's character is like. A superhero whose power is... Running. Engineering. I was just going to say running. He does so much running Running. in this film. He does running, and it's not good. I have a point on this, though, because one of the things that I remember most about when this film came out, and 
in, I'm pr- I don't want to slander any writers from the time, but I'm pretty sure it was from reading Empire, because I don't think I was reading anything else. The, the story about Chain Reaction before it came out was Keanu got fat. Yeah, I can, you can see compared it. Compared to Jack Traven, you know, in Speed a couple of years ago. Yeah. Which is yeah. a little unfair, because basically, before filming started, Keanu had got a massive injury to his neck and back playing hockey. So oh, he couldn't right. train as much as he normally would, yeah. and he did put on a bit of weight. Now, looking at it as a nearly forty-year-old man, he is not fat. He is not fat in the slightest. He's a no. It's just slightly compared, compared to his younger self. We're all fat compared to our younger selves. Yeah, absolutely, but he's slightly yeah. huskier. You can see it, but he wears it well. But he's also wearing padded shirts and things like this. So I think. But, it, but again, it doesn't doesn't not suit the character. He's an engineer. He's like absolutely. It suits the character more than if he was buff like Jack Trevor. Yeah, machinist. I think he calls himself. I don't think he calls himself an engineer. Machinist. Yeah, he's good with drills yeah. and metallurgy and all that. <laughs> good with drills. But um, yeah, that's the thing. But when he's doing all of that running, then I think he's actually in physical discomfort. You can see it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still one of the staples. Like it was a half staple that I haven't managed to get into the staples yet. But it's bad running. Like Tom Cruise's staples running. But this guy, well, bad yeah, running. but he runs with a limp. Always runs weirdly because he, he runs with a limp. Because do you remember yeah. when we talked about Point Break? There's that bit where he he lands on his knee and he's limping. Ah, right. That's yeah. a real injury that he had. That's a you know a hockey injury. Yeah, so right. he, maybe he should stop playing hockey because he obviously gets hurt quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. But you know, it doesn't stop him trying to do the action hero stuff. But it's again, it's what I like. The reason why I'm mentioning the the mechanic superpower is that. One, I found it funny. Mm. It's like there's a scene where he's escaping like the cops and he's running up the bridge. And the person I was watching it was like, what's he going to do now? <laughs> and I'm like, well, he's a mechanic. He's going to put something in the cogs or something. He's yeah, gonna... uh, there, there, like, were moments, there were moments where I thought it was going to turn into MacGyver. And, and yeah. I was welcoming it, actually. I wanted it to turn into yeah. MacGyver. Yeah, yeah, because... And, and he, and then, but he doesn't really use it th- that much. It's like... It's the reason this the thing that one thing that I like about this film is the fact that they didn't make the character totally ridiculous. I mean, they could have, but it's not like under siege where it's like, oh, we find out he's special ops and black ops and he can do all this ninja shit. His ninja move is some kind of mechanic move. It's some kind of electronics. It's some kind of um, software, like understanding of like mechanisms and software or whatever. That's how he is able to um, get one up on this. Secret organization that has been amassing technology for years as people as people develop it and patent it, which is a real thing. Like the American, yeah, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's like the the American patent office. I don't know about other patent offices around the world, but international patents certainly pass through there as well. If you file a patent and it's deemed to be a threat to national security, then it is no longer yours. You do not own it. The American government owns it. So if we, you and I, Ben, as we've so often tried to do, file that patent for our time machine, and the Americans go, oh, it's a threat to national security. It's theirs. They own it. We don't own it anymore. And there's hundreds of thousands of patents, apparently, for energy, for storage devices, for electric cars, for things like that, that just got taken by the American government because it was a threat to national security because it would destabilize the economy. That's a real thing. I didn't, I was surprised that this film was light on it. It was like they they present it as a conspiracy theory in this film, but they don't they don't show it as like a real like aspect of American life. I, I think I mean. it's a shame because I think the first half an hour, forty minutes of this 
They're pretty solid. I mean, very 90s solid action, but you can tell that it's coming yeah, it's from fine. the guy who did Under Siege and The Fugitive. It's got that kind of clean... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise that. Right, it's got yeah. that kind of clean 90s action vibe to it, but there's so much potential in the premise, you know, talking about clean energy and and one of the first lines of the film is the planet's dying because we're overpopulating and over consuming something like that yeah and the film doesn't spend any time thinking about that at all and the more that it goes on the less interested it is in its premise it is just it becomes a completely bog standard chase movie with you know twists that are entirely predictable and it's, it is a shame because I think, you know, this is a script that was reworked a number of times. It started as something called Dead Drop and then was turned into Chain Reaction. You know, so there's been a team of different writers on it over the years. And I think it just, it, it became aimless. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about my feelings about the film, there are a couple of nice action sequences. The, the, the main explosion that sets off the film is still quite impressive for the technology of the time. The chase on the elevated bridge as it's going up, I thought that yeah, was cool. Yeah. That was kind of believable within Keanu's skill set of how he got away. Yeah. The the sequence with the um like the hovercraft kind of I can't remember what they're called. It, like you ride through the bayou on a on a boat that's got a big fan oh, on the yeah, back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. So it's like they refer to it in this fan as boat. An, I think it's called a fan boat. Yeah. They re- refer to it in this as an ice hovercraft, and it isn't. Oh right. That's just a really weird scene because I kind of liked how it showed how uncontrollable that thing would be on ice. Yeah, that's that's another uh, that was another thing of like Keanu doesn't suddenly know how to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like. It's like and and it's spinning around, and I think he was genuinely doing that. And she's like, "Come on, what are you doing?" And, and he she's says, a bit "Useless." Sometimes and, she's a bit but useless. When she says, "What are you doing?" He says, "Yeah." The best I can, or something like that. Yeah, like, I'm doing the best I can. I kind of love I think it. He and says I've never done this. Before. I love and hate yeah. it at the same time because it's like, well, the best yeah. you can is pretty shit. But actually, no, that is what ha- would happen there. But then yeah, you're panicking. But then there's that really. <laughs> I thought it was quite laughable moment shortly after because they're being chased by a helicopter. They've jumped off of the the hoverboat and sent it careering across the the lake the helicopter still chasing it and eventually when the helicopter comes up beside this craft he sees that there's no one on it so they just fly away well that boat is still headed for a populated area (laughs) yeah it's so strange it's so strange there there is this film is full of like anyone watching this film will have lots of reactions like um what the hell like why did that how did that happen or what it's just the whole film is replete with like that, that it not making sense, and particularly in, in the context of looking at it in hindsight as well, it's like if you look at any sort of YouTube videos of people doing summaries of the, like the state of cold fusion right now, we're talking about things that look like the, Tony Stark's arc reactor in um, in Iron Man. That's what that's what we're talking about using, like, um, and it's like the plasma and making plasmas out of like small amounts of hydrogen. I think they're using other elements now. <laughs> when this thing goes off, it's just a tub. It's like a, a barrel of water, and it's shaking. It doesn't look high tech at all no. in any way. Um, and then when they get it working, and that's a whole other thing of like the concept of how they get it working, it just like produces fire. Like yeah, oh, there's fire. And there, there's the reactor. So you're looking like, at essentially a jacuzzi in a tube. Yeah, and a, and a gas fireplace, yeah. and they're going that's one it. million Kelvin. 
two million ca- like what? No like, fire fucking doesn't way. Look like that does it? No when it's that temperature. fucking way. You no. would be a new. You would have. You'd have a core reactor. The glass would melt. The glass yeah, would of melt. Of course, yeah. yeah, of course. That's why those temperatures and the plasma that's created under those temperatures, they put them under like massive electromagnets to contain it. So it's not actually touching anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's the, you know, and it's like, well, okay, fair enough. The art direction in this is bad. Like they didn't do it's much go- research. It's goofy. Yeah. And as is the way that Keanu figures out how to contain the reaction, how to. Because um, it, it, that's the whole point. Is that there's a chain reaction. It's not. It's not a controllable reaction. It's. It's volatile. And Keanu is in his machine shop. He's got one of these mini versions of the reactor. He's play. He's been playing around with, tinkering with, and he's machining some bit of metal. And it creates a kind of a, a frequency yeah. that resonates. It starts to stabilize the reaction, and he he records it he, magically. He's also got some keyboards there. He's got a keyboard and a microphone just sat in his lab. Ready to record. He records the microphone. He records the frequency on his microphone. And then he plays it back through the the mechanism and it stabilizes the reaction. So Keanu is the only one who figures out the frequency. And he's got this little device that he attaches to the main reactor. That is somehow Keanu's responsible for making this device. He's but they again, the reason I'm mentioning this, the main reason is that they make almost nothing out of the fact that Keanu. It's the information's in Keanu's head. Yeah, like they don't. They that's a that's a uh, a kind of like a Johnny Mnemonic Chekhov's gun. Oh. No, it's a Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, it's, it's a Chekhov's gun. It's like a they don't make anything out of that. They seem to have got all the research, and I love it when the doctor and the Chinese guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, he is Chinese. The actor's called Zima, but it's Chen yeah. Chen Lu in this, and and the main doctor, uh, not. Alistair, is that his name? Alistair. The one who yeah. gets killed at the beginning. Yeah. Barkley, yeah. that is. Yeah, Alistair Barkley, that's his name. It, this is after like a party. They've stabilized the reaction. Him and Morgan Freeman are like have an argument. Mm-hmm. They, You could see they're on opposite sides of what to do with this technology. And he wants to give it to the world. And Morgan Freeman thinks it has to be contained. The Doctor, in the, at night, with, with Chen, is like, we have to, I want to upload this fast. I want to. I want to get it up on the internet, yeah. and it's just something about the way that he says the word "internet." It's as though he's never said that word before, and that's because the internet is like a year old at this point. Well, it's not, but in terms of being in people's homes, in terms of being something yeah. readily usable, yeah, Windows ninety five was what it was all about, wasn't it? I just, I just find it really funny that, like, that again, we mentioned we mentioned it on a couple of um, Arnie films where. They're getting to grips, like the the movie industry is getting to grips with certain technology, and I think even the net came out like this year. It was the year before, before this, yeah. This year, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, what we and talked just... about then was Arnie should never be allowed to type because he's yeah, he yeah, looks awful a... at a computer. But yeah. to be fair, I mean, even talking about Mission Impossible a couple of years ago when we did it, yeah, yeah, you know that suffers from that same thing because the technology's yeah. aged so poorly and. Like the scene yeah. where Tom Cruise is is just emailing random email addresses, yeah, and that somehow cracks the case. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. I, I think they hadn't at this time. Well, there's two things there really. They hadn't at this time uh, understood the sorkinization, I'll call it, of taking these very complex tasks and translating them into enjoyable drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is something yeah. that Aaron Sorkin is a genius at. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that we weren't really in the period where 
um, verisimilitude was actually important to an audience. It didn't matter that the science was bullshit. It was just a jumping off point for the plot. And I think that has evolved over the years. We care about whether something's yeah. believable as a general audience now. Because science is in our hands now. That exactly, in because our we hands. have so much information. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, so I think that greater effort needs to be made. Arguably at that time, not really. I mean, I didn't notice any of the stuff I'm pointing out now. What did you what what did you think of this as as an action film? Awful, like generally from start to finish. There were moments where it's like it's not that bad. So I had such low expectations. There were moments I enjoyed. Yeah, you know, and what I like the thing I like to say I'm going to call it with air quotes realism of it. It's believable. The way that Keanu's reacting is is believable. Mm. Even the way that Rachel Weisz is acting is believable. They don't like she's a she's a physicist. She's not. She doesn't suddenly have this ability to like get into fights and beat people up. And no, you know. she. It's an interesting one, the Rachel Vice character. But her intelligence isn't used. That's my. That was my problem. Well, they kind of want to have the cake and eat. I think because when it's time for Keanu to be a hero, she's a damsel. But then, yeah. when the odds are against him, she steps in and smashes people over the head with heavy blunt objects. Yeah, that happened once. And it happens twice at the end, actually. But then there's this moment when this uh, near the end where they have to get onto this lift to get out of the yeah. the underground base where the the, the second reactor's been built. Yeah. And um, she just jumps on the lift and like leaves Keanu there to be strangled. I'm like, hang on, this is, you, your one move is to sneak up on the guy that's beating up Keanu and smash him over the head or something. Which she, and she just leaves him. But she did do that with something. She did hit him with something. She, she got him in the leg or in the shin or something. Right. And it's like, but the guy still like pins Keanu and Keanu insists like, no, go, go now. And, and she does. She just leaves. And then she starts screaming at him saying, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. While he's being strangled by this guy. In a way, it's fine. That, that's, I, I, I'm criticizing it, but at the same time, I liked Keanu and Rachel Rice's characters' reactions are quite haphazard. They're panicky. Yeah. They're not well thought through. And I think that's right. Because another criticism would be if they got it, if they're very slick and they knew exactly what to do all the time, yeah. I would criticize that. So it's like, well, I preferred it this way in a way. Yeah, it's the more vulnerable hero that we saw in the 90s rather than the one-man army that we saw in the yeah, 80s. like the fugitive. Right, exactly. And I think that... Yeah. That's the really interesting thing about this film is, you know, Andrew Davis was coming off of easily his biggest hit in, in The Fugitive. And that's a film that's still great. I love it, yeah. N not just as a sort of action spectacle. It's a really solid thriller as well. It's a really interesting plot, really good yeah. performances. And, you know, there's so much similarity in a way in this in the sort of the characters and the structure between The Fugitive and this. And it is a chase yeah. movie from the... It's bizarre to me that it doesn't work anywhere near as well, because there's plenty of stuff in here that is is similar to the Fugitive. I love like how cold yeah. and wet this film feels, and how much the characters yeah. have to struggle with the cold. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they they're not detached from their environment at all. There's even a bit where Keanu's going to give her a backy on his bike, and he goes because of the distance that they've got to go. There's no way you'll freeze to death, you know. And it's a tiny little yeah. thing that that. I don't want to make a big thing about it, but no. you can tell that it's from the same director in so many scenes, and yet... Yeah, I even said this feels like The Fugitive with Keanu. Yeah, but there's none of the magic. No, there's something missing, and unfortunately, a lot of the magic is 
in the performances you get from Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Harrison Ford in The Fugitive. Yeah. And although Morgan Freeman could be a Tommy Lee Jones, uh, for sure, uh, Keanu's not a Harrison Ford. I mean, he's got so few lines in this as well, and that was weird for me. Like, his dialogue is minimal, no? Well, that's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> that's, that's telling. Interestingly, though, Andrew Davis did want Tommy Lee Jones to play the Morgan Freeman part. Ah, well, and he didn't. But what's more interesting to me is, so Fred Ward, who we've talked about a couple of times, he was in Saigon, he was in Prince of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. We both love I'm him. glad Fred Ward's in this. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's pretty bad in this, to be fair, because he's really... Oh, but he's got really bad lines He's as well. really hamming it up. But him yeah. and the guy, uh, Paul... Uh, no, sorry, Kevin Dunn is the actor who plays his partner. So they're two FBI guys. They yeah. were actually based on the Sam Gerard and his young partner character from so this, this could have been in the same universe. This could have been the same universe. Yeah, I w- yes. It would have been so much cooler... If this was the sequel to The Fugitive instead of U.S. Marshals that came a year later and they'd managed to get Tommy Lee Jones and his partner, I can't remember the actor's name, to play those parts, yeah. focus more on It'd them. It would be brilliant. Yeah. I would love it. Yeah. They, they missed a beat by not doing that. Leave Morgan Freeman in that role. Get Tommy Lee oh, Jones. In exactly. It. Yeah. Uh, to make it... Uh, and uh, U.S. Marshals wasn't great. Nope. I don't remember not, it being it's not great. not great at all. No. Is it unfair to say Tommy Lee Jones, as his career progressed, he was an actor that was increasingly difficult to direct? Uh, I don't think that is an unfair statement. Yes. When you get actors like Tom- Tommy Jones, and I think the reason I'm mentioning it is because I felt, I wrote made a note that I felt like Morgan Freeman was doing that a little bit too. Although he's not bad in this, he's, he's probably the best thing about it. When you put him up against what is not an amazing Keanu performance, what is one of my hated <laughs> uh, performances by this actor, Brian Cox. You're not, you're not a big fan of Brian Cox, are you? I've never have been. But this film, and I think Wolverine or something else like that, or X-Men 2, it's just that there's films that Brian Cox does that made me hate him. And I, I every time we have this conversation, you tell me films that I should watch <laughs> where he's brilliant in it, and I don't. <laughs> and so I don't give Brian Cox a fair chance. It's just the films I know him from are ones where I hate his performance. He does a terrible American accent. Yeah, he does. He should he should not be doing an American accent. Really, it's it's awful, and and his character in this is so like. <laughs> if you were wondering who the bad guy in this film is, from the first second you see Brian Cox, you'll know it's him. That's it. He's so like sinister, and and he he's hamming it up as oh, well. Oh, really hamming it up. This film this film treads the line of almost being a parody of this kind of film. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's it needed to be more self serious, if anything, to be to be a parody. I think the main thing for me is that it it blows its wad too quickly, <laughs> because the two standout, in my opinion, set pieces are in the first half an hour, and the ending yeah. does the unforgivable thing of setting up that there's going to be this almighty explosion. It even then goes to the point of saying it's now unstoppable. The reaction has started. All yeah. you can do is run. Yeah. There is an almighty explosion, but we sure as shit don't see it because it's underground. It's all underground. Yeah. And it's It's all underground and all our main characters have escaped. It's such Ex- an anticlimax. Yeah. And it is. And that's unforgivable. The only thing I like about the ending is that Morgan Freeman gets away. And he's technically yeah. the second string bad guy. But at least there's some ambiguity to him. There's another movie with Keanu that has the exa- almost the exact same ending. The Prince of Pennsylvania starring Fred Ward. Yeah. 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 
really weird. Yeah, with a it's lame really explosion a... in an underground mineshaft. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is the Ke- the Keanu verse is is born. Right, let's do it. Come on, let's just stop stop with the foreplay. Let's jump in. So we've got Rachel, not just Rachel Vice and Keanu Reeves teaming up. Rachel Vice in her clothes in a bathtub. That exact same image comes up in um in Constantine. Constantine. Yeah. yeah. We've also then got a homeless person helping Keanu Reeves out on his quest, a la John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. And directly after that scene, Keanu breaks into a cop car and starts using um a computer. Yeah. And the music that's playing and that yeah. plays for the majority of the rest of the film. I don't know how to describe this. It's like an industrial clanking sound. It's exactly the same as the build-up to the lobby shootout in The Matrix. Yes. Just after yeah. the guns, lots I of guns. It, yeah. yeah, it's weird, isn't yeah. it? Very weird. There's a line. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but basically Fred Ward and his FBI crew, are. it's a scene where they're like, what's going on? What's he doing? Um, Keanu's like trying to arrange a meet-up, a meet with Morgan Freeman to like negotiate you know, how do we help us out of here? I think Rachel Weiss and Keanu kind of suspect that Morgan Freeman's shady. Not, yeah, like that he's shady. That he's not. He's not straight up with them. They both know very early on. They both know they're being framed. They both know they're being set up. And even Fred Ward's like early on, like saying, "I'm this smells fishy. Like this isn't this guy's not the terrorist we think he is." Yeah. And so Fred Ward's like they've intercepted some kind of communication. Between Keanu and Morgan Freeman, Keanu manages to like send him flowers with a note that's yeah. cryptic that says "Meet me by the the caveman or by the Neanderthal," and they'll know what that is. It's at the museum, of course. That's the location. In the note, which they don't actually tell you the note in full, with Fred Ward's team, but there's a reference to Spawn, like the comic book character Spawn. Right. And the only reason I know this is because I had to pause it and I went back and I had to watch it a couple times. One of his she's basically an extra one of fred ward's crew she says like yeah you know spawn the comic book character and then fred ward's other guy kevin what's his name done oh no it's not him it's just some other random he just like casually goes yeah it's that guy that um that guy that keeps coming back to life and then kevin dunn says yeah like eddie what's his name whatever keanu's character's name is kasalovich why does eddie kasalovich keep coming back to life why does he keep respawning? That's some Cruiserverse stuff there. You think he's yeah. in a video game? This is the Matrix. This is a version of the Matrix. <laughs> right. So and Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is Morpheus. So we're tying up. So we're connecting a, a few different universes here. Let me just check them off. So the homeless yeah. guy that helps Eddie is the yeah. connection to the John Wick universe. Rachel yeah. Vice is the connection to the Constantine, Constantine. universe. Yeah. Morgan Freeman is the connection to the Bat universe as Lucius yep. Fox. For some reason, we've got a Spawn connection in there now as well. So I guess Michael yeah, Jai White's going to turn up at some point. The Spawniverse. I'm trying to connect it to. It's a rich universe, um, the Spawniverse. But, but Spawn is it's DC, isn't it? And it, also a movie that came out in 1996. It was a very bad movie. Very poor. We're not doing Spawn ever. No. Uh, yeah, so, but no, it's connecting to the Matrix because of that. It's a reference to the fact that Neo respawns. So, Eddie Kasalovich yeah. is, is going to become Mr. Anderson. Is that what you're saying? Maybe, maybe not, but not in this, maybe not in this version of the Matrix, you see. Ah, of course. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, we've got Joanna Cassidy in there as well at one point. She plays M- Maggie or Mackie. Um, 
who of course was Zora in Blade Runner. So we've got a connection to the Blade Runner universe if you want. I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> the reason we apologise is because we know all these links are spurious. But the Rachel Vice Constantine one is weird with the exact same bath scene. Yeah, that's that for me strong. was the. Yeah, yeah, that's a strong one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and and the um, the Fred Ward, Prince um, of Pennsylvania, Prince of Pennsylvania. Yeah, and that's what lends it to the Matrix thing. It's like if if this is like the fifth version of the Matrix. It's like all these characters are in the movies are other versions of the Matrix where they they end up being different characters and those things. And this is the version where Neo is not Mister Anderson. Is it Thomas Anderson? Is that his name? I think so. Yeah. I think it's Thomas. I just wish it was John, but never mind. Yeah, no. <laughs> really? Um, and his name's Eddie in this. Yeah. I, listen, man, just gotta say, I know you. I know it's coming up, but I don't get the John's and Jack. That's fine if yet. you don't I'm get it. That's fine if you don't get it. I'll explain it at the end. I know I will. I'm just saying. I'm waiting with. I'm just. With don't think about it. Baited, don't worry about it. With baited ears. If I may quote Boris Johnson, move on. Uh, Eddie Salad. Saladovich. Egg Saladovich, yeah. Egg Saladovich. Don't worry that you're getting his name wrong, because I don't think any two actors pronounce his name the same throughout this film. <laughs> Brian Brian Cox Eddie, in particular Eddie. was was <laughs> it felt like he was reading a different script at times. Eddie Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggsovich is just it's a, he's is Keanu, obviously, but it's it's a respawned version of, of Mr. Anderson Neo. Okay. And so none of them know that they're in the Matrix. Of course obviously. Not, of course not. Because we haven't got up there yet. We haven't got to that yet. Yeah. But that's why the experiment doesn't work. There's some coding involved in this. Yeah. We're working our way up. Sure. Um, did you notice any other actors of note, by the way? I certainly did. General Zod from Man of Steel is in this. He is? As a little flower boy. <laughs> he's, he's a flower delivery guy. Michael Shannon, uh, credited as Mike Shannon. And I thought, oh, maybe this is one of his first films, but I forgot he's actually in Groundhog Day, which predates this. Oh, really? Yeah, he's he's the young married guy who has tickets for WrestleMania. Yes. At the end. I remember pointing out, I watched Groundhog Day actually last year. Yeah. Um, there's one other actor that I thought you might recognize. I'm sure it's him. When there's a bit there, where there's a bit where they go to an observatory and a local cop tells him to freeze. Yes. He's got his gun pointed from at them. Scrubs. It's the janitor, it's from, janitor Scrubs. from Scrubs. It is him. <laughs> I did notice him. The janitor from Scrubs. Amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. It just—it's so weird. Like you, when when people like that show up, it's like you can't take him seriously. Arguably, the janitor from Scrubs is probably the best thing about Scrubs. Actually. So we've got the Scrubs universe. We've got. <laughs> two two connection to DC now, Superman and Spawn. Yep. And Groundhog Day, which is going to help us with time travel. Yeah. Yeah. I on, on, I don't really have very much more to say about the film, Alex. I no, think it's quite nicely shot. Uh, for a film that has four editors working on it, though, it should be yeah. a lot tighter. What I do like about it is it's a solid 100-minute movie, and it could not survive being any longer because even at 100 minutes it starts to drag in the middle there it does a bit yeah i like the bits that i like that i laughed at but maybe no wasn't meant to you know he's got his special mechanic skills montage at the end like this is how he's going to save the day and it's it's kind of rubbish that was when i wanted it to go full macgyver yeah yeah it's the equivalent of like arnie tooling up to go and beat the big bad guys but it's like yeah in commando or something yeah but he's it's it's lame it's like all right you're you're writing some code and i wrote a note saying why does he actually bother fixing the reactor doesn't work why does he bother fixing it 
Yeah. And I couldn't work it out. Like, he's, what, he's giving it over to him? And then I, afterwards, I had to figure it out. Like, it's actually because he, he needed to get the, the proper working model, the code, yeah. to release it to everybody. That's, That's right. the reason he did it. So yeah. he had another opportunity because the first one blew up. He had another opportunity to get all that data again and release it to the world. Did you computer model it? No, I was too busy building it. Feasibly, at the end of this movie, there's a world where there's clean, free energy for like everybody. Well, I mean, that's why I'm so disappointed that we never got Chain Reaction 2. That's the big missed opportunity. Is, or, you know, there was a couple of... This is halfway between an eco-thriller and a techno-thriller, and it's sort of got one foot in each and doesn't really satisfy either. Yeah. If it had been more of... I don't want to say Steam Seagal's on deadly ground, but certainly if it if it <laughs> felt like it had a point to make, if it felt like there was um you know a real intent here to say this is actually something that could save lives, this is something that could save the planet, and it's being crushed by corporate greed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have more goodwill towards this, and it and it sort of starts off on that note and then forgets about it by the time it got to the end. I think anyway, mm-hmm. doesn't do a good enough job of getting that point across. That's my big disappointment with it. As a film, as I said, just under 100 minutes long, uh, if you exclude the credits, it's perfectly watchable, though. It's not It's not yeah, the so most exciting film ever, but it's not no. boring. It, it didn't make me angry or anything like that. No, it's easy to watch. It, doesn't, it won't offend you. If you want something easy to watch, it's a Sunday afternoon movie. It's not... Yeah, it's... Uh, it, you know, sometimes yeah. you just want to go back to 1996, and this film will do it for you. Yeah, um, and yeah, I still have to make this point. There's a few lines, so if you tell me some of your lines, one near the end where Brian Cox is saying what people want, and you know, people don't want this. Uh, people want microwave dinners and color TVs. Yeah, <laughs> like really, is it the 50s? It's like, like Brian Cox certainly is from the 50s. Like it's ridiculous. It's like, it does. There's many times where this feels like it was written by somebody very old. It's a B movie, really, in terms of sci-fi. Oh, it is a B movie like. for sure. But I don't hate it. No, there's something quite cool that you don't see very, very much, and that's why I like. I, I like the moments when it's trying to be clever and novel. That that's what I like. Where it's like, ah, oh, you didn't see that. Much. So they kidnap Rachel Vice, and from the museum, they spray something in her face, and it just knocks her out. Like you'd you'd expect like special government operatives to be slick about that stuff and they were they they weren't stupid about it um but when you've got keanu like jumping around on museum exhibits and it's like well you can't be covert with that but actually the covert thing to do would be to just leave him and block the exits like don't chase after him you know but anyway then it's not a chase film they kidnap rachel weiss and um they put her in a wheelchair to wheel her out yeah it's like, instead of carrying a body or a dead body or a knocked out body, it's like, yeah, of course, put yeah. them in a wheelchair, put a blanket over them, put some oxygen on. Yes. Yeah, nobody's going to question Sorry, that. Sorry, that was a scene that I quite liked as well, actually. Yeah, that mm. bit where they're, it's uh, an aerospace museum, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Keanu. Well, there's lots. Of, it's a natural history museum. There's loads right, of things Right, okay, all right. Yeah. But they are, they're running in and out of, of like, full-size Boeing's and things like this, and yeah. um, Keanu jumps on top of this plane uh, within this huge museum, and there's some lovely like wide shots of, you know, I don't think it probably is Keanu doing the stunts, but you know, running around and jumping off things. But it ends with a shot that I thought was really funny. Keanu is sort of at the top of the frame, so on a on a on a balcony level, let's say, or a first floor level. 
if you imagine you're in a mall and you're overlooking the fountain, you know, that's where he is up there. And you see him, it's a big wide shot. You see him run off towards an escalator, right? Yeah. And there's just a member of the public there that he pushes down the escalator yeah. before he leaves yeah. the room. <laughs> yeah. Very unnecessary, Keanu. Yeah. No, no, it's, there's lots of... So that's that's one of the things I like about 90s films. We we, we said it um, for Point Break as well, how like how scrappy some of the fighting and mm. action scenes look. They don't look slick. And I appreciate that about this era. Yeah. In terms of lines, there was only one line that I think was... I think it was supposed to be funny, and I found it funny, was they've recaptured Rachel Vice after that scene that yep. you were talking about. They brought Chen yep. Liu out because um, he's not being yeah. killed in the explosion at the beginning, and then Brian Cox is threatening them. And at, we have the same same line. He's stealing my line. I didn't yeah. write it down, but as they as they're walking away, Morgan Freeman says to Brian Cox. Was it, please don't threaten to kill my guys? It would make things a lot easier for me. I wish you wouldn't threaten my scientists with death right to their faces. It would make my job a whole lot easier. Yeah. It was good. And it actually seemed like, to me, an ad-lib line. Like, they were just rolling. They were rehearsing. They were walking away. Before we move on, before we move on to, you know, our staples and and wrapping up, I I said it a couple times. I think Morgan Freeman is the best thing about this film. Like with without him, it it's really it's really rubbish, and that's only because he carries that role well. But more than Morgan Freeman, his character is the most interesting thing about this film. I definitely agree with that. I think Morgan Freeman is—he's not just a bad guy, is he? No, no, he's not. No, uh, that—that's no. what's interesting about him. He's, he does have some contradictory character elements, um, and that is more interesting. You're right than almost anything else in the film. I think his performance is very dialed down. And I'm not sure that's necessarily a choice. Apparently, he had a pretty bad time uh, with regards to the cold shooting in Chicago in winter. Oh, right. Uh, okay. And he was very sick through a lot of this shoot. And I oh, think that right. okay. that speaks to his low energy, especially yeah. when he, you know, he's already done Shawshank. He's already done Seven. You expect yeah. a bit more from Morgan Freeman. But then, you know, he's in this kind of mid-level movie. Yeah. I, ju- I just think it's not a very good script. I mean, it even more so, the dialogue is worse yeah. than the script. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Okay. But let's just focus on Keanu for a second. I know we've, oh, we've sort of talked about him a bit, but I don't think he's bad in this. I, I don't think it's one of his best roles. And again, that is because of the script. But I think within the confines of what this film is, I think Keanu is okay. He doesn't... He doesn't stick out. He doesn't let himself down. If you'd never seen Keanu in anything before, I'd agree with you. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. But compared to his performance on Speed... Sure. Yeah, he lets himself down a bit. But I think the script does. I think the fact that he had an injury does. Definitely. I think the fact... Loads of things. Yeah. Like We've talked about some of the actors that are in this. Really good roster of actors. And, and yeah. by the time the, end, the beginning credits had ended, I was like, maybe this is actually going to be a lot better than I remember. Um, yeah. And as it went on, I realized, oh, yes, I remember how it ends now. It's not very it's good. Not, not really any better. Uh, it, what I would say is if you want a really good film from the 90s, from this period, again, great actors, good scripts, some really interesting directorial moves, uh, and a bigger budget than this as well, watch Kevin Costner's The Postman. Good idea. Here's a little bit of a pet peeve, actually, before we move on. Why do they always, when people are on the run, and they meet up in a bar or a cafe or whatever. They are in that bar or that cafe at the exact same time 
that the news, the news report yeah. is on on the TV. It's like don't go into bars or gas stations or or where, where they have a TV on or or, the, or at the same time that they're playing the news. Yeah, if you're on the run, that's just standard. Don't do that. And then and also Hollywood, please stop stop writing it into scripts that that. That's what happened. That's that's my main pet peeve. It's Hollywood's fault. And my favorite is also is, criminals. Criminals stop doing that as well. My favorite is when someone gets a phone call, and they go, "Are you watching? Are you watching the TV?" Like, no, no, no. Like, turn on channel two now. And the news report is always just starting when they turn it on. Well, how the <laughs> fuck did yeah. that person manage to tell them that it was on channel two yeah, already? Yeah. Another one. Let's keep going. Somebody brings someone breakfast in bed. They put the tray down on the bed. Tray's out of shot. Then they sit on the bed. <laughs> that never works. <laughs> Orange juice everywhere. Cereal poured out. Yep. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Or when people don't finish their meals. That. I tell you the one that uh, take a bite and then leave. The it. one that always pisses Joe off, my sister, is uh, and Heat actually is a particularly bad film yeah. for this. Yeah. When people don't say goodbye before they hang up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. You watch Heat. Al just, Pacino is a fucking piece of shit for that. In Heat. I know, and and Heat is the one where it, it started getting to me, like for sure. My whole life, it's always been. And I know it's economical script writing, but it's like, so um, meet you. I'll meet you for breakfast then. Yeah, cool. I I really like that. Beep, beep, beep. Hang up. Like, what time? <laughs> yeah. What time you get yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. When is work? You know, uh, no, that's another one that. as well. Um, when someone asks someone out on a date, you're like, yeah, yeah, pick me up at eight. Okay, where, where? do you live? Yeah. They never ask. You know, nowadays you, we just we can assume oh they'll text it or whatever. That that's fine. Yeah, well, okay. no. Look, in my case, I've but, already stalked you and I've geolocated yeah, okay. you. But in the in the eighties and nineties, though, it makes no believable. sense. It makes no sense. Yeah, this is going to become a feature. I know. Or well, when they occur in the movies, anyway. Somebody puts something in their pocket and they tap it twice. Why? Have you ever done that? Yeah, Have you ever. I do that all the time. Why? <laughs> I don't know. It just feels good. What? But do we do it because of the movies? I don't know. I, 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 actually, I was watching something recently where someone said they had a memory stick that had yeah. um, some, like they just got all of this data for an investigation that they were doing yeah. and they had it in their top pocket. And the whole time they were driving home, they kept touching their pocket to make sure it was oh, still there. Oh, that makes sense. I, I do I've that all that. the time. No, I do that. Like with my phone, my wallet, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Touch the pocket, check it. But when you've literally just put it in. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I tell you, well, I don't know if it's my number one pet peeve, but it's certainly one that I've mentioned on here before, is when two characters have just been introduced. Well, sort of, they're in the process of being introduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them says, well, you don't normally like it like that, little brother. Yeah. No one says that. No one refers to their brother or sister as little brother. Never. Not Never. to their face. You, you, in the third Never. person, you do. Oh, like, that's my, yeah. you know, I was talking to my little brother the other day, like something like that. Yeah, of course. There's skillful ways of doing that. I think we've said it before. There's a, if you need to reveal that, you just be a bit smarter about how you write it. It's not even an extra line. You always were like that. You always were a bad mother, mother. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. really like, okay, like, who are you? <laughs> are you really my daughter? You can get away with it when it's like, oh, hi, dad. Because you do yeah. actually call, you know, characters yeah, yeah, yeah. by those familiar that, names. But... That, but that's better than what you were describing. Yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly. Remember when we used to do this thing? It's like, oh, yeah, you always were such a something. That's another one. Sister. Do, you, do you remember that night we were at McGinty's? 
oh, that night when you met Sharon and then you drank too much tequila and you threw up and we, we found the body on the way home and like they tell the whole yeah. story. You just go, yeah, yeah of yeah. course I remember the night in McGinty's. Yeah. 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 Normally, if I said to you, do you remember, do you remember Anakin, for example? Yeah. You and I know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, there's a whole story around that. Yeah. That I don't need to fill in the details. And that you ornithologists will never know. You might be a part of this club, but you're not a part of that club. Yeah. Right, well, let's put a pin in peeves and come back to that next week. Yeah. (laughs) More pet peeves. Email theornithology at gmail.com. What are your pet peeve movie cliches? We'll get some kind of scoreboard going. Should we do the staples? Yep. So we've, I mean, luscious hair, I think is a big tick for this one. 100%. 100%. Lovely, lovely hair. Luscious hair and Lucius Fox. <laughs> At first I thought that we were doing the hair thing because it's like, oh, it's just a feature. It's something to talk about. But it's actually because you're jealous. I get hair envy so easily these days. That's what it is. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Well, I do. All right. Now, as far as woes go. No I, woes. There was a big woo. There's a really? Big, yeah, when they're celebrating that the reactor is stable, Keanu jumps up and goes, Woo! For ages. All right. And then in a Fair scene, a, a couple of scenes later, he's in Rachel Weiss's apartment and he sees all her diplomas and there's a wow. So between oh, the woo does. and the wow, do, okay. does that count as a woe? Exactly. As a tick. As a, uh, that does. Okay. Ticks. Good. So he's got a woe. I'm, I'm, I'm adding it in, bad running, because it's not the first time and you'll see. There's bad running. Well, let's count it as part of his stunts, because I think, although he was injured, he does do, I'd say about half of everything you see him do in this, he does himself. So I think that yeah. that's okay. I mean, that is counts. it unfair to call it out? Like, I, now I'm really, I didn't know. I just, I've always thought, well, he runs weirdly. I had no idea how to do with an injury. I feel bad now. I'm taking yeah, it off. you're a piece of shit, yeah. I'm taking it off. I'm not, not going to call him out anymore on it. Sorry. Now, one one thing that I think he doesn't do in this, and I was looking out for it, but I'm willing to be corrected, Alex. Yeah. Inappropriate reaction shots. I thought he was he was No, we didn't get that. I don't I didn't notice them, so I think we'll leave it off. Yeah, he was on point on this one. He did some stunts. Yeah, I think. Th- yeah, yeah. He's doing his stunts. Now guilting some, does the bathtub scene or the bit where they're no. in bed afterwards, does that count? No. I was actually this is one thing I'll say. I was really relieved that they would very light if anything on any romance between them yeah it wasn't necessary it made it much more real it's like really in this situation there wasn't really anything there was just affection between them yeah and you can see that they're colleagues and and it's like they don't know what's going to happen at the end of this they're not necessarily interested in each other there's a little bit of interest but yeah they just they downplayed it and they just made it affectionate i like that it i agree felt more real and if, if anything goes emerges between them it's going to happen afterwards it's much better for a film yeah. like this. Speed, fine. Yeah. Whatever's going on between her and him, Sandra Bullock. Yeah, fine. but it's a, it's a, it's a similar sort of setup, and I like that this film waits till the very end to say, no, 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 we ride together because it's not necessarily just that you know I want to. Well, it is kind of like I want to protect her. We're safer together yeah, yeah. than we We're are separate. Together, yeah. But also, eh, maybe I want to hold her hand. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And I they're hold her and hand. they're a cute couple. They look really nice together. I like it, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, it could just be, you know, a, a perceptual bias. But I feel like Rachel Weiss was cast in this because of speed, because it's Keanu against a Sandra Bullock type. And Rachel Weiss fits 
Sandra Bullock type. Like her hair's cut the same way and everything. Maybe uh, she wasn't a name at this time. I think she was more famous yeah. in Britain for TV and things like that. So this is one of her first big roles, I think, over there. Yeah, and that there you go. There's one of your expositions you don't like. It's like he says something like, "So why are you like that?" No, it's like, "Where do you live?" And she's like, "In England." It's like, "Oh, she, oh, she's English. She's not Australian." That was quite. Like, it was quite funny though. It was funny. But it worked. It worked. But it's still a version of like they're explaining that she's English, you know, like yeah, for the American audience that doesn't, yeah, know. like Arnie having to explain his accent in a movie. Yeah, because he's it's because he's from Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Easy for you to say. say now, last time on a walk in the clouds, I, I dropped the bombshell that we have been misnaming, brooding over this whole series yeah. as broody. broody. And so we've decided to be inclusive and he's either broody or brooding and he's yeah. either a stoner or a pisshead, but he's always a stoner, a stoner <laughs> or a pisshead. Uh, for the American people, pisshead is a drunk and yeah. um, and he's always a hunk, bro, obviously. So I think he is brooding stoner hunk, bro, in this. I don't think he's any of the other combinations. What do you think? I I think he's definitely brooding. Yeah. I think he's a hunk. Yeah. He's not a bro. He's not a stoner or a drunk. I think I'd see him as a but stoner. But I'd argue towards the end he might be a bit broody. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him for being a bit broody. The reason that I say he could be a stoner is he's got a keyboard and a microphone next to all of his stuff. Like yeah. he's he's scatterbrain, man. Like he's just he's into everything all at once. But he's not a John or a Jack, he is an Eddie. He doesn't play guitar, although he does play a bit of keyboard play keyboards and he is wrapped up again in the center of a conspiracy. conspiracy yeah yeah are we are we ever are we like scoring these like ever? no we should are be we really i don't we haven't had bingo one? yet we have not had all of them no i'm, I'm looking for the one where we get everything do you want some numbers yep it's your numbers budget i haven't done that in ages felt really good yeah, 50 man. million dollars Wow. World big. It's big. Worldwide gross. Worldwide gross sixty million dollars. So just scraped it. Yeah, still technically a failure though. That's not get that's not making the producers pay there's no payday for people there. They're not happy. There's no there's no chain reaction to off that of sixty million. I couldn't get Keanu's salary, but it would have been in the two to three million around this time, I'd have thought. Rotten Tomatoes score of eighteen percent this was slammed when it came out yeah. even though roger ebert yeah really liked it two and a half out of four said it was one yeah, of the better summer blockbusters because, um, of that line that brian cox said it all people want microwave dinners and color tvs that's why roger ebert liked it's it. an action movie for old people that's right um actually that is actually a fair point <laughs> i think that this is a this is an action movie my grandma would love it's, oh i was gonna say a dad movie yeah yeah now what do you think? Do you think Keanu got a Razzie nomination for this? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. Razzie nomination for Worst yeah. Actor. That's about four years in a row now. That's poor Keanu, man. This is how he got the reputation for bad, for being a bad actor. Currently sits on IMDb at 5.7. Exactly the same as Johnny Mnemonic. Hmm. It's your numbers. Now, that's an interesting thing because... Mm. Completely different audience. Yeah, which is better though? Which is this is a better film than Johnny Mnemonic. I did expect to see a dolphin inside that chamber at the beginning. That, I did have a that would have made like, sense. Yeah, 
mate. mate. So Look. We'll li- link it to the Johnny Mnemonic universe. Yeah, that container go. that <laughs> is a dolphin bathtub from the yeah. future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a better film than Johnny Mnemonic, though, I think. It is. It is. But again, that whole cyberpunk thing, it's like it's got a crowd. It's like people are going to love it. It's just the same way that... You know, you and I might not like what dreams may come, but there are religious people who will think it's the most amazing movie ever because sure. it's a topic that doesn't get Hollywood attention. And so cyberpunk is not something that you don't see many cyberpunk movies. No. Not in the mainstream. But you, so, but I don't see I think that's the problem with this, is it is trying to be a techno thriller and really it should have been more of an eco thriller. A hundred percent. They missed a beat there. Yeah. But again, climate change wasn't a massive thing back then. It's got to wait another ten years. Yeah, but I think that's what would have made this stand out. Would have, yeah. Would have. Anyway, what do you score it? I'm giving it three stars. Three? Three star That's movie. quite generous yeah. for you. Yeah, it's because it's it's non offensive. It's quality wise, it's it's well, quality wise, it's three stars. It's just there's so many the things about it, they're fi- it's fine. It's not it's a non offensive movie. Um but it's a bad movie. It's now a it, bad time to tell you that that's the exact same score you gave Point Break. No, not at all. Because I just don't have the same feeling about Point Break as you do. It's, it's not a bad time. Yeah, no, but look at the action scenes in Point Break compared to this. Yeah, Point Break offended me, though, in many ways. If you listen back to that episode, okay. I'm not happy right. with okay. loads of things. Fair. This was non-offensive. I just put it on and I was like, all right. But I guess, okay, I'll, I'll take this one. I'll admit it. There I'm not trying to get a... you to change your score, no, by no, the way. No, I'm not changing. Right. No, no, no. That, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to change my scoring. What, I'm just re- doing some self-reflection and perhaps in like, as a kind of like, perhaps I was being um, sort of anti-conformist because I know that you and Joe really like Point Break. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so I think there was a part of me like you balancing balance that out, by yeah, saying yeah. it's not as good. Yeah. But it's telling that this is the same score as Point Break because I think I feel about the same but okay. for both movies. I think my criticism of this one are quite similar to criticism of Point Break, but Point Break never had that nostalgia feel for me. The same way Top yeah, Gun, yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah, okay. But I much prefer Top Gun. Sure. Well, I'm going a little bit lower. I think this is this is right down the middle. It's not a terrible film. It's not a very good film. It's a distracting film. It is absolutely mediocre in all the right ways. So it's two yeah. two and a half stars for me. Okay. You have to have nothing else to do to to watch this if you w- start watching this film yeah your brain's gonna start going like oh i gotta do that i gotta do this you, you're not gonna it's not gonna grab your attention you have to be tired and not wanting to do anything else yeah um yeah i wouldn't make a any brilliant brilliant procrastinating movie wouldn't make any special effort to see chain reaction but like i said if you just want to take a little day trip back to 1996 you could do a lot worse the next film that we will be talking about however is also from 1996 and it introduces us to the Julie Gianni-verse that was so prevalent in the Tom Cruise yep. season because it is really was. Feeling Minnesota co-starring Cameron Diaz. Have you seen that one before? I haven't, and I was quite surprised by the cast, actually. Got some people who really stand out for me. Got uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, yep. Delroy Lindo, Dan Aykroyd, yep. like Courtney Love. Just like, what? Had no idea. Never heard of it before. And yet the cast is so it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. So all I'll say, Alex, to prepare you for that is, don't go in expecting a really light-hearted movie. Just make sure. No. 
I'm sure. I'm Make sure, sure that you're ready I'm for sure it. I'm ready for a heavy one, yeah. It's not I wouldn't say it's heavy, but it could it yeah, it could catch you off guard. So we'll be back next time to talk about feeling Minnesota. Please join us for that. Get in touch at the at gmail dot com. Let us know your pet peeves and cliches. And until next time, make sure that you are staying excellent for each other. <laughs> and doing some partying with dudes. In a very responsible, socially distanced way. Yeah.